The Pentantic Young Stars Classic didn't exactly go according to plan for the Winnipeg Jets, but while Winnipeg might have dropped two out of three games and had a bit of a tough time getting traction, the Jets did have some standout performers in this very short tournament. All of this coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode, obviously, is going to be a fun one. The Jets have finished up the Penticton Young Stars Classic. And look, it didn't exactly go uh, according to plan for the Jets. But the funny thing about Penticton is that basically it's meaningless, right? It's just a preseason tournament, kind of a junky thing. Uh, the, the main reason that you have something like this is that it's a great little exhibition for uh, a lot of your young prospects, a chance for maybe, maybe some camp invites to show off something that maybe warrants having them come back for preseason. You know, it, it's not supposed to be like a really super serious affair. It's kind of like a small vertical slice of the pro experience for young players who maybe haven't had a chance to really get through all of this. And yet, by the same token, you still want to have a relatively decent showing. And I think in this particular tournament, the Jets were kind of, I don't know, maybe given a bit of a rude awakening for some of their, their young players. Uh, you know, through through Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary, it kind of seemed like the Jets were a little bit unprepared for the pace and speed of the pro-level game. And a lot of the Jets' kids kind of struggled to keep up. Uh, I felt like Winnipeg, you know, throughout most of the tournament was outplayed, outpossessed, and just generally out-executed, which is not something that you often see with Winnipeg's rosters. But, um, you know, despite all of that, look, it, it doesn't really matter uh, when it comes to like the regular season and make no mistake, right? These are just kind of fun little tournaments. They're not supposed to be serious. All that said, I would have liked to have seen a little more pre preparation from the Jets. I, I, I sort of felt like Winnipeg was just very much outclassed in a lot of these games. All of that said, they still managed to squeeze out one victory. This one, an exciting one in a shootout. It was a come from behind effort against Vancouver and, uh, you know, if you were watching the the feed on YouTube, you were seeing some like very interesting trash talking between both fan bases, which, listen, if you're trash talking during a prospect tournament that is even before preseason, you might need to reevaluate your, your priorities in life. But I'll tell you what, uh, in terms of at least being a fun little uh, slice of, of pre preseason hockey, it did actually give us a little bit of a taste of some interesting future uh, prospects to keep an eye on. We'll talk about like those specific players and who really stood out for me from this tournament. But collectively speaking, you know, it was sort of a strange one, right? The Jets had most of their 
star young talent there. And I think the general vibe that you get is that the Jets up front have some legitimate promise, but it's not like the world's highest, uh, you know, highest end, most elite prospect pools. And then on the back end, Winnipeg really doesn't have that much depth. You you look at Elias Salamonson and a few others, and generally speaking, you know, you just don't really have a lot of mobility in the prospect pool when it comes to your blue liners. Now, at least up front, right, the Jets seem to be set, relatively speaking. They've got McCrory, Lambert, Barlow. I mean, this is a pretty good grouping of young prospects, but the blue line depth is going to be a question that I think is going to pop up here in a few seasons as the Jets start to kind of whittle down this current Jets uh, decor that as of right now is still kind of log jammed, still has a number of players occupying spots that I think Winnipeg would prefer to uh, promote some guys internally. But until that happens, at least the Jets at least do have some time to maybe draft a few extra blue liners, try and add some ability. Uh, I'm going to be honest, you know, between guys like uh, Bauer and Lundmark, um, Kubacek, a few others, there just was not that much high-end puck-moving skill on the back end, and I think it really did show. Uh, I thought that the D-zone awareness was a little bit scattershot. Uh, Kuzman, who for me, I was excited to see, looked pretty raw. You know, he kind of had like some of the Declan Chisholm stuff that I've mentioned before, where, you know, he's a little bit young, a little bit impetuous. And, you know, the, the passing, I think, was a considerable issue which is kind of funny. You know, I, I thought maybe some of the, the Jets prospects would have an easier time distributing the puck, but it felt like overall, you know, some of the stuff that you've seen organizationally speaking, you kind of saw being an issue with some of these kids. Now, listen, don't really read in too much into it, right? Just because it's like a short form little tournament. You're not even having like the normal Jets coaching staff working with these prospects. Uh, some of them haven't even played together before. So again, right, the the actual conclusions that you draw from something like this are supremely limited. But all that said, I, I think you still see some higher level challenges for the Jets going forward. I think Winnipeg's blue line definitely needs to get more active and more assertive and add, you know, some really high end talent, which the only way that you're going to really get there is probably um for for some some leaner years right you're gonna have to have some seasons where you're not really making the postseason and more than likely you are kind of in the more tanky range and i guess you know i'm i've always been somebody who has said best player available but i also wouldn't mind if when it comes to the draft the jets maybe prioritize adding some blue line mobility on the back end because like salamonson i thought was very impressive but the rest of that degrouping doesn't really look like it's got much of, uh, you know, a, a particularly pro-level upside. Kuzman, I think, can get there at some point. But the rest of the group, it it was a little bit tough. The forwards, I also felt, were just sort of overwhelmed by the speed and, and execution of teams like Vancouver. It seemed like the Canucks and some of the other guys, you know, from Edmonton and from Calgary seemingly had... I don't know if it was more uh, pro-level experience or what, but they were faster. They won more puck battles. There was just a general level of polish and execution that you would associate more with pro-level players versus the Jets kids who seemed a little bit shell-shocked by some of the experience. But hey, you know what? Better that it happens in like a pre-preseason tournament than you know much later in their careers when they're trying to make the jump and suddenly find themselves overwhelmed. 
And while it does sound like I may be being negative, it's because I feel like, you know, this is sort of not really Winnipeg's biggest strength, right? Penticton has always been a tournament where the Jets don't really do all that well, to be honest, but it's a nice showcase for some of the young talent that the Jets certainly have in the pipeline. And I want to focus on a couple of names that I thought really had standout, fantastic tournaments over this past weekend. We'll dive into who those players are in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Jace Medical. For those of you who are always on the go and you're looking for something that's very convenient, that you can take with you when you're traveling, or those of you who just like being prepared for the unexpected and, and maybe even dangerous and deadly situations that you might come across in life, Jace Medical has your back with the Jace case. If you're wondering what a Jace case is, it is a case that's super convenient. It comes with five of the most commonly used antibiotics that helps treat 50 plus infections. Obviously, you know, a lot of you who might be going abroad or even just traveling out of out of your local province or, or state, you might come across some unfamiliar terrain and maybe even scenarios where you get injured, you get an infection, and you need a you know easy little hit. Jace Medical offers a Jace case that's there for you at all times. And you know, this stuff is great life-saving medicine that's convenient, it's quick. And Jace makes it affordable. You can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com using promo code LOCKEDON. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, or thank you so much for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Obviously, we are talking about Penticton, and uh, look, I, I, I'm not going to lie, the Penticton tournament was not great for the Jets, but it doesn't really matter because ostensibly, this is a meaningless little prospect tournament. It's just kind of, you know, a fun little chance for teams to have uh, a nice little camp, you know, maybe give the young prospects a taste of the pro level game and have some fun little sparring sessions where you get to play across some really exciting talent from uh, a, a few other teams out there around the league. Now for the Jets, um, maybe this was a bit of a rude awakening for some of the kids. We talked about Winnipeg looking slower. Uh, it, it seemed like the Jets were unprepared for the pace and execution of their opponents, but all that said, despite the, I, I guess, collective team issues, there were some really, really, really standout performances. And the guy that I would say uh, on the skater side for me that really stood out was Nikita Chibrikov. Uh, Chibrikov is a name that I've mentioned before as kind of a stealth sleeper pick in this Jets prospect pool. Uh, he's a 20-year-old who's been playing throughout a different, uh, a few different levels in Russian hockey, you know, bouncing between the MHL, VHL, KHL. And, you know, you might look at his KHL numbers and think, well, why would you be excited for him? And look, if you know anything about the KHL, you know that it can be a really brutal place for like young prospects, um, especially for those who maybe don't earn the trust of the coaching staffs. And so I'm not going to read too much into that yet. When you look at his lower level uh, Russian league performances, you see a much more interesting pattern of scoring ability and just watching some of the ways that he scored, you know, from like highlight footage and stuff, which again is, is a bit of a choice selection. All that said, you still notice that he has 
some really smooth puck handling. He's got a great shot and he seemingly has very sharp offensive instincts. And I thought throughout this entire tournament where he was playing, you got really strong doses of that. I thought that his movement behind uh, the net and, and even around the face-off circles was really clever. I thought that he was constantly trying to win puck battles and was really smooth when, when he was in possession. thought he took some really great shots. I was just generally impressed by Jibrikov. And I would also say that amongst all of the Jets' prospects that played, I felt like he was one of the most pro-ready, uh, in part because he, well, you know, he's been playing pro hockey for uh, several seasons now. Maybe not at the highest levels in Russia, but you know, none of those none of those leagues are easy. And you know, despite the K having some developmental changes over the past few years due to some very obvious situations abroad, uh, it, it's still a tough league for kids. And so Chibrikov for me. I was really impressed by, I, I thought when he was here for training camp a few weeks ago, he looked really impressive. I think a lot of Jets fans have generally been sleeping on him just because he's not a name that really pops up at the top of Winnipeg's prospect pool, but I promise you, he's he's kind of starting to prove that he might deserve to be at or near the top of Winnipeg's grouping when you look at the breakdown of, of who our most highest tiered prospects are. Now, I'm going to say this. I still think for me, McGrory might have the highest potential of, of all of Winnipeg's, you know, attacking prospects. Then you've got guys like Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert. But I think Chibrikov has a good argument of being in that Lambert and, and Lucius tier as well. So a lot of excitement there. Barlow, also a very exciting name. Speaking of Barlow, you know, he had a goal as well. Uh, Chibrikov had a goal. Barlow had a goal. And, you know, it came in moments where you saw some of what really made both of them really attractive draft options. Barlow's goal came on the power play where he squeaked one through. It was a great shot. I mean, you, you, you just notice that the puck really explodes off his stick. And it makes me excited to see what happens as he starts to develop more stick handling, maybe some more deception, how he develops his tool sets to really complement what is a venomous, venomous release. That puck was so fast off his stick that when he actually scored, I missed it. I saw uh, a bit of a, of a bit of a flash, and then it was in the back of the net, and I was really impressed. Um, and and Barlow for me has that tertiary scoring ability and finishing talent that I think the Jets really could use more of. So I'm excited for him. I thought otherwise, you know, generally speaking, he had a bit of a quieter tournament, which is to be expected. He's 18. Uh, the only thing that you notice with him is that he's got the adult pro build, but he's still learning how to make use of it. And obviously he's been playing uh, against junior level competition. So against more pro ready players, I think he'll have a bit of a learning curve. I think that there's a lot for him to sort of grow and develop into. And the same can be said for Lambert and Lucius. I thought you saw some really nice flashes from both of them, but it wasn't consistent yet. And that's where, you know, another season with the moose is going to be really beneficial for both of those kids. I think it's tempting to kind of look at a lot of these prospects and think that they're behind in their development when honestly, you know, 20s, early 20s, you know, 21, 22, that's probably when you're really expecting more of them to actually make that jump towards either higher level pro hockey or or the AHL more consistently. So, you know, so far the, the pool seems to be on track and, you know, generally on the right timeline that I was expecting. I think we saw some really cool stuff here and there. 
On the back end, Elias Salabonson, obviously the most impressive Jets blue liner. I thought he had a really strong tournament. He even squeezed a goal uh, through against the Flames, which was cool, right? You know, Salabonson, I thought, was jumping into the rush aggressively. Defensively, you saw him making really smart reads, using uh, good interior body positioning. I, I just thought that, you know, despite having maybe a weaker Jets blue line pool at this tournament, Salamonson still managed to stand out very positively. Behind him in net, Divacentis, and uh, obviously, um, uh, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Divacentis, and and uh, this is how you know it's been a, a lot of hockey, and and uh, th Thomas Milich, I thought, really were were actually very impressive. Uh, Milich's second or Milich's game, the second one of the tournament in particular, I thought a lot of Jets fans were probably very impressed by. I know that he's got a reputation from Team Canada, but I thought what we saw here was really good reflexes. I thought his positioning was was good down low, and he was able to kind of get himself into good areas to where. Uh, despite a lot of crease chaos and stuff in the slot, he managed to kind of pivot himself and seal off the lower portions of the net to prevent, you know, pokings and stuff. I I'll say this. Millish did probably get a bit fortunate on a couple of opportunities in the Vancouver game, but overall, a really strong performance. Had some really nice saves both in the shootout and throughout the game, and it was really one of the main reasons that the Jets actually had a win at this tournament. Uh, Divacentis, I thought, looked pretty confident and controlled in net. I think that there's a lot of hype around him as eventually becoming Hellebuck's successor. And with his approach to how he, you know, uses careful, controlled motions in net, how he tries to uh, not really pull himself out of position too aggressively, it's sort of similar to how the Jets have really worked Hellebuck into uh, the elite goaltender that he is. Not to say that Divacentis is going to be the same kind of goalie and that he's going to equal Hellebuck's success rate, but you see some signs of a few similarities here and there stylistically. So something to keep an eye on. I thought both he and Milich were working overtime, uh, and despite the first uh, loss and the third loss, it was really hard to blame Divacentis for much of what happened. The Jets just weren't really prepared for this tournament, and I think in a lot of ways, the kids were kind of given a bit of a rude awakening, but, you know, the goaltending at least was not an area that I would say I was particularly concerned by. It looked good. I think Divacentis and and Milic have potential roles in this organization as pro-level goalies. I think the biggest question is just how high they can rise up. We'll find out over the next few years, but let's just say I'm really hoping that at least one of them can become some form of a starter for the Jets in the future. Now, speaking of the future, obviously, in just a couple of days, uh, we're going to start rolling into preseason camp and everything. And this is an exciting time if you're a Jets fan. I think that there's a decent buzz around this roster that I haven't felt as much of with some of the previous seasons. And I'm not going to say that this Jets team is like the best roster ever. But you know what? I am intrigued by its potential. We'll talk about some stuff to look out for as the Jets roll into camp here and get ready for what should be a pretty eventful preseason in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action than now. The app is super easy to use, and you can bet on plenty of things from spreads to player props, over-unders, and more. Maybe you want to bet, place a bet on which player is going to have the longer season on your favorite team. Maybe you want to bet on point spreads for upcoming matchups. I know as a Ravens fan, I'm going to be ambitious and maybe cast my thoughts with uh, a victorious run towards the postseason, but maybe you're a Vikings fan and used to a little bit more chaos in your games. No matter who you root for, be sure to visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL, and you should get in on the action right now. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's closing thoughts on this episode as we start to gear up for preseason, which is something that we've talked about on and off over the past couple of weeks. I know it's been a little bit slow when it comes to the Jets, but now you're starting to get a little bit of that ramp up, a little bit of that Jets hype. Uh, I'm seeing my Twitter starting to talk more and more about it. This is kind of an interesting year because I think there's a lot of uncertainty with the team, but when it comes to the forwards, at least, I would say, I'm pretty excited about this group. I think Winnipeg has one of the deepest attacking lineups it's fielded over the past few years, probably since 2018, honestly. Uh, This group has a lot of scoring potential. I think that there is legitimate offensive star power. And while the blue line is still kind of a question mark, look, so long as the forwards keep the action up the ice and the blue line can avoid, you know, uh, I, I guess getting in the way of the forwards, especially in providing offensive support, this team should be pretty fun. Um, now, I've I've tried to configure a couple of like test lines. I don't know that this is really what Bones is going to have in mind. I think we're going to see a number of auditions. One of the big things for the Jets is figuring out where Perfetti and Velarde play because Both of those guys can play down the middle. Only one of them is likely to, at least at the start of this year. Once Shifley moves on, if he actually is traded this year, uh, I think you'll see a a realignment of these units. But, you know, for the first line, I could see Connor Shifley and Ehlers being a thing. I don't know that Ehlers is necessarily going to be at the top line, but it just seems like, generally speaking, um, from how Bones has kind of run stuff before, it just feels like with Wheeler gone, that's like the natural pr- promotion to, to have happen. Uh, you have your most creative players all together, plus the elite finisher and Connor. And look, while I don't exactly love this group, I think it should still be a reasonably decent first line. Perfetti Velarde, neither rider, is a potential second unit, although I kind of feel like uh, Velarde is somehow going to play with Ayafalo. That's just my guess, especially with the transition to a new team, a new city, all of that. Bones might look to have the Kings boys together, at least for a first part of the season, um, and certainly during preseason, as a way for them to kind of get some more familiarity with the Jets before really diving headfirst and maybe splitting them apart into roles that more suit their skill sets. For the third line, uh, honestly, you could really configure this bottom six in any way that you want. I thought Ayafalo, Lowry, and Nemesnikov might be a bit of a ground pound kind of unit. You know, I'm not going to say that this is how I would necessarily want to do this, but you know what? It, I, I think it'd be a reasonable uh, third line with some scoring potential. Ayafalo is the much needed finisher for this group. 
Lowry, of course, is the new captain and could certainly uh, chip in some stuff down low. And Nemestikov is just generally good at being a solid two-way player. Maybe not the most offensively gifted guy, but somebody who I thought really showed well last season and can capably fill in down the middle as well in serious pinches. So a nice versatile third line, nothing crazy. Uh, your fourth line, you might start to get a little bit interested in. It's Baron, Kupari, and Appleton. Uh, Appleton, I'm really hoping for a bounce back year this season. I thought last year uh, was really rough for him. But maybe this is a chance for, for some of that old form before he went to Seattle to kind of show itself. Kupari, new addition. I'm excited about him. He's big. He's strong. He skates well. And he has some legitimate offensive skill that I think we're still waiting to see tapped into. Same with Baron. We're seeing more and more confidence from Baron as he continues to develop into a really nice middle six winger. I think he's got some legit offensive chops. I just want to see him, you know, cash in and, and finish a few more opportunities that he's been creating because he's getting in all the right areas. It's just a question of getting that puck right past the goalie, but he's close. You can feel it. You can sense it's coming. It's just waiting for the proverbial floodgates to open for Morgan. But I don't know. I'm interested in this group. I'd be curious to know how you'd arrange the lines. I'm sure some of you are going to say, oh, Harrison, you're crazy with some of these combos that you've got. Give me your preseason lineup combos below what you think the Jets might be interested in trying. Let me know how you want to see these forwards arranged, either in the comments below or at my social medias, edit HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's show, though, that is all the time that we have. Thank you so much for joining us on tonight's episode of Locked On Jets. We'll see you here uh, tomorrow for even more preseason coverage and thoughts ahead of what should be a pretty exciting run-up to the regular season for Winnipeg. But like I said, for tonight's show, that's all the time that we have. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. As always, have a great night and go Jets go.